I want to um, pray and then get, get into it. Father, I thank you today for our time together. I pray that what we talk about today will be uplifting and helpful. I thank you for this series where we listen to the questions and the thoughts of our members with the goal of learning and growing. Thank you for how you've allowed us, Lord God, to have an opportunity to share with your people. I pray that what we learn today and what we talk about today is uplifting and helpful. And I pray that the vision, Lord God, that we share as we talk will bring light to those who are struggling financially. As we talk about finances, as part, we talk about poverty today and prosperity. I pray that they would find um, answers that they may have been looking for as to why some people struggle and why some people don't and how this all happens. And so we'll talk about that today, and I pray it blesses them and helps them in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. Let me start with the current event, which is the, how this works. If you've not, not been here for the series, uh, I decided that once a year, I want to just make sure I listen to you. It will probably be in the same month every year, and I'll see. This is my first stab at this. And so for four weeks, I have been answering questions. Uh, I come with what I call sample questions first. You have them in your, right in front of you. And I start with a current event, something that happened this week that maybe you might be interested in. So I just assume what that question would be. And then I ask that question, answer that question for you. Today it's about wildfires. We'll talk about that in a minute. But then I go on to a list of three or four questions that you may, I think you might would ask me. And then after that, it's all you. You get to ask me whatever you want to in the context of today's question. And today's question is about poverty and prosperity. Say it with me, please. Come on. Poverty, prosperity. Here are the rules. The rules are it's got to be a what? Question. You can't, can't dialogue, can't talk to each other, can't counsel each other. You got to ask me a question because I'm the guy up here. Everybody say amen, right? And so what I want you to do, and, you know, it's got to be brief. can't be a sermonette. Um, it's got to be a what? Question. So you can't fault me if I stop you now if it's not a what? Question, right? Everybody say, okay, I'm going to ask him a question. All right? So that's important. You only get to ask one. How many questions do you get asked? One question. And then after everybody's asked the question, I might come back. But I want to make sure everybody gets a turn. And so having said that, those are the ground rules. Everybody clear? Say amen. All right. Praise God. So what I want to do is I want to uh, begin with our current event for the day, uh, which is wildfires. Fires in California, a place that I love, a place I grew up. Uh, a lot of places uh, are having tremendous um, challenge with these fires. As of Thursday, the fires, uh, there were 21 large wildfires, uh, 190,000 acres, and there's more than that now. Uh, and 3,500 structures and more than that have been destroyed now. And uh, more than 20, more, more than 20,000 residents are evacuated. And uh, I think the death toll is beyond 31. It was as of Thursday, but it's higher than that now. But it's been, ama it's been amazing. Um, I, I, I don't know that when you see all these natural disasters, I even heard that London now has a um, uh, hurricane headed in their way. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard uh, Ireland, yeah. And, but that, that whole area, which is new, at least for me, I haven't heard of it like that. But, you know, um, what we read last week is true. You know, that there'll be all kinds of natural disasters in various places. And that's part of the last day prophecy that, that we were given. But I, I think one of the things that I come out of this week's um, disasters, especially in the wildfires in California, where you had homes destroyed, thousands. You know, you're talking about, when you talk about uh, 3,500 uh, homes, uh, what's the number here? 35, I can't find it. 3,500 homes. 
That is our structures, rather than just homes, businesses. It, that's amazing. I think we need to have, and it's something you just write down and pray about. We need to have what I what I call a um, what if I lose everything plan. The possibility of losing everything, and that's the question. How do you how do you prepare for the possibility of losing everything? Here's a verse that I think is important. Uh, it's in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen. And I, I, it inspires me to have what I call a complete destruction strategy. If I lose every single thing in my life, we lost, if we lost the church, if we lost the, every chair, what is our strategy? That's what those people are facing. And it's not just the people in Houston, it's the people in uh, Florida. What is your strategy for losing everything? And here's what Paul warned us about. Paul, Paul said that everything that's seen can be gone tomorrow. That's how it's worded in the uh, Message Bible, that everything that's here today can be gone tomorrow. What would you do if everything was lost? And some of you, has anybody here been in a fire, lost every single thing? Raise your hand. Really? I didn't know that. Really? Everything. Anybody else? Lost everything. Yeah. It's a devastating experience. Uh, I've never had that experience. I had family members who have lost everything. Um, uh, One person um, uh, in our family was cooking. And um, they were cooking uh, some breakfast, left the pot on, went to work or something, and the whole house burned down. I mean, they lost every single thing. They barely got out of the windows. Nobody died, but they lost every single thing. House burned to the ground. Every picture, everything. And I I think you need to have a a, a plan where you sit down and say, okay, have I done everything I can to preserve me in case I lose everything? Do I have the insurances I need? Do I have, you know, I, I plan on taking, I've started this already, digitizing all my pictures. Because I hear people say, you know, I lost all my pictures. You know, so why not take pictures of all your pictures? Why don't you digitize all your pictures? That's something you can do that would be relatively easy. And then um, I, I did this during the last hurricane. Document everything. How many shirts I have, how many pair of pants I have. Because if I lose everything and it's insured, I need to prove that I have it. So I have a video of everything, video of my house, every chair, every, everything. I video this video. There's at least, that's the minimum you can do. Uh, so that you can have, uh, have that uh, protection. Then go back and look at all of your insurances to make sure you have enough insurance, make sure you have enough. If you can't afford more, at least you know what to pray for. You may not can afford to buy more, but at least you know. When you, you know when you, here's what you do. When you go to a meeting and they, they say something, a price that you can't afford, say, thank you, that was very helpful. I'll, see you. I'll get back with you, maybe, and leave. You know, but at least you know I need 2000 1000 or 500 whatever it is. Begin to lay out what would you do if you lost everything. Uh, what I'm going to work on for our church is, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but it's amazing how many people, people do not have a will or do not have any kind of preparation. They've made no kind of preparation for the loss of life, the loss of everything. The lo- they, they've made no preparations for it at all. And that's not being a good steward. Even if you can't afford it, at least you can investigate and at least begin to give God something to, to bless you with. So I, ne- I, I need you, God, to give me you know, $500 to get me a will or $1,000. We're working on and have been trying to put together something for a while, uh, even though I don't think that's the church's ultimate responsibility, but I do want to try to help where I can. And so we want to try to put together some plans and programs to help you with that. But I want you to begin uh, to, and if you know something that's already in existence that does that, you know, send me an email, Pastor Overcome by Faith. And let me know about it. So there's already something in place, Pastor Rick, that could be really great for our members uh, that could help them with that. But they need to have a will. You need to make sure you're prepared for the moments when everything's gone. 
because everything this scene is temporary. Come on, say that with me, please. Come on. Everything this scene is temporary. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, everything this scene can be here today, chapter 4, verse 18, and gone tomorrow. So say amen if you got it. All right. Now, today, our current question for today, that's the current event. Uh, and let's pray for those people. Shall we do that first? Father, we lift up everyone that is in these, going through these wildfires. We pray in Jesus' name for grace. We pray for you to protect them. We, we, we pray for those who've lost life. We pray, we pray for the people who set this fire. They believe somebody set this. Lord, touch and, and expose them and help them, I pray, come to justice, Lord. But I also pray, God, for you to bless the families, bless the people, and I thank you for it. Help them through this crisis in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. And um, so we, we are already given, uh, see, Puerto Rico, we're going to be giving the fires, look like everything. I'll tell you what, we just need to pray and believe God's going to help everybody. Amen? Amen. Keep giving to Puerto Rico. If you haven't given something already, please, on the line marked other, please do that. I'm going to do it the rest of this month. Every dime you give on the line marked other, anything you write on there for Puerto Rico, like I told you, if 10 people give how much? A dollar. A thousand people give a dollar. It's $10,000. A hundred people give it. It's 100000 You'd be surprised how much we can give if everybody give a little bit. Amen? So don't let the month go by where you didn't give something specifically above your normal giving to Puerto Rico. So that's our commitment, not just reading these current events, but also supporting and helping people going through this. All right? Now, having said that, let's talk about uh, our current question today. Why are so many struggling and what can the church do about it? That's the first question. We're talking about poverty and prosperity. What are the, number two, what are the main reasons people struggle financially? And then the third question uh, is, is it wrong for you to have luxuries while others suffer? Fourth question, when does my desire for more become greed? Those are four lead-in questions that we'll deal with first. Let me begin by pointing something out to you that I think is interesting when it comes to this whole subject of poverty and prosperity. Most of the time, when I don't believe the church is a good place to talk about money, personally. Churches, to me... Um, don't really, they talk about giving them money, but they don't really talk about how to make money or how to grow wealth. Um, it's mainly a one-sided conversation. And, you know, as a pastor, it's really funny. When I first started pastoring and you had the weight of the bills and the buildings and all this stuff, if you're, not, you're always trying to think of how you can motivate people to keep giving because you have to keep people giving. Otherwise, you just can't do what you do. And um, I just don't think it, it works. I think you, you have to just raise mature people who understand the word of God, who love God, and who give because they believe in the power of what he does in their life when they are on him first. But I, I, I want to today take you on a journey that will at least explain where most people are when it comes to their money. And I'm trying to ask, answer a bigger question of why, how in the world do you explain that some people have and some people don't have? That's the basic thing I'm dealing with all day, poverty and prosperity. Let me share a couple of graphs. Uh, these are, uh, I'm, I'm a new Pinterest fan. Uh, I wasn't a Pinterest fan, but I'm going to show you some stuff that I saw that I thought was not, no, it's not my Pinterest. My pay, you go, my Pinterest. Um, I, I, I just love it because it's a quick image, and you can just get a, a good, powerful point out of it. So on one side of the chart, you have wealth, right? On the other side, you have average, right? And uh, if you notice on one side, yeah, you go. You can't, I don't know if you can see this or not, but wealth on one side and then average on the other side. And this tells you, remember, I'm trying to answer the question, why some people have, why some people don't. 
Now, there's a lot of answers to this, but I'm going to give you a couple of answers. A lot of people that are wealthy have habits that lead to wealth. A lot of people have habits that don't. Now, let me preface this and say it this way. Let me focus with me for a minute. I understand that some people don't have wealth because it's not available. The culture they grew up in, the family they grew up in, I understand that. So I'm not trying to say that if you don't have something, it's all your fault. That's not what I'm trying to say. So be, please be clear. But putting that aside, a lot of people have opportunities, but they never realize them. And the reason they're struggling is not because it's not available for them. It's because of the habits in their life. So uh, studies were done, and here's some things they've noticed. I thought this was great. Um, wealthy people read, read daily. Average people watch TV daily. Wealthy people set goals. Average people never set goals. Wealthy people compliment. Average people criticize. Wealthy people embrace change. Average people fear change. Wealthy people forgive. Average people, it says, hold grudges. Wealthy people talk about ideas. Average people talk about people. <laughs> Wealthy people continuously learn. Average people think they know it all. Wealthy folks take responsibility. Average people blame others for their failures. Uh, wealthy people take responsibility for their failures. That's from strategiclifedesign.com. Anyway, th th I thought that was an interesting Pinterest post. And these aren't the Bible, but they're fascinating. Next, next slide. Let me show you another one. I thought this was great. The more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. If you don't, if you don't when you have time to plan and strategize, if you don't work hard, they're working hard in peacetime right now. These soldiers are carrying this log. And they're doing it in peacetime. That's when you fix your finances. That's when you fix your life, when there's not any stress, when you got everything in, in place. You know, that's why it's really good when you're young, when you're not paying bills in your home. You know, if you sweat in peacetime, you will have less trouble uh, during war. Next slide. I thought that was great. Uh, in order to become the 1%, you, you must do what the other 99% won't. Did you get that? If you want to be in the 1%, then you're going to have to do what everybody else doesn't do. A lot of people don't get that. A lot of times what you don't have is because you do what everybody else does. So you got to change that. And if you don't want to be alone, then forget it. Next slide. Um, I love this one. Never look down on someone unless you're helping them up. I just love that. Never look down on a person unless you're helping them up. It's a great slide. Next slide. Now, uh, now I want to show you your money. I did some study just to kind of say, let me see where people's finances are. I found some fascinating stuff. First slide, notice this. The average and median income by age range, and, and basically median and, and means are just different ways of measuring something. And so in the blue, you have the median income, and in the red, you have the, 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 um, the mean income. So basically, if you look at the average person who is uh, 15 to 24 years old, it shows you their income. And what's fascinating is I want you to notice that $60,000, you see right there, what you're going to find is most people never get there. Most people never get there at any age. They never make $60,000. I mean, you go down here from 45, 40, 50, doesn't matter. They never make, uh, the peak is in your, if you're going to make it, you're going to make it around 45 years old. They're about and uh, you'll, see, you'll see more in a minute. Let me show you another slide that's even better than this one. Um, this is a statement I loved. 
nation, and these are two statements that I thought were phenomenal. Nationwide, the average American under age 65 is earning $46,409 a year, according to the Census Bureau and current population survey. Now, that's interesting. That means the average person under 65 is making $46,000, pretty much. That's the average. Now, how does your salary compare uh, below? Check out the median earnings for Americans of every age bracket according to uh, the data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics from the second quarter of 2017. Now, this is current, so I want you to see. These are current numbers. From 16 to 19 years of age, you will probably make somewhere in the neighborhood of $422 a week or $21,000 annually. If you're 20 to 24 years old, you'll make 525 a week or you make $27,000 annually. If you're 25 to 34 years, the average weekly salary is $776 or $40,352 annually. But please understand, from 25 to 34, it takes you, to, it takes you that span of time to get $40,000. 35 to 44 years, you make $976 a week or $50,000 annually. And then 45 to 54 years, $975 weekly, and, uh, and I'm sorry, and then 50000 And then 55 to 64, it starts going back down, $50,232 annually. 65 years old, $904 a week, your income drops down to 47 and it starts dropping after that. Keep going. I'm just, just, just going to work through the rest real fast. All these are just numbers. It shows you. I want you to just keep going through them. Notice 50,000 at the top. Keep going. 40,000 for 34. Keep going. All these are just 50,000. I want you to keep saying. Pause right there. Notice 55,000, 50. Notice you're not going to see 57. Keep going. You're not going to see 50. I'm, I'm sorry. Go back. Go back. Um, one of the things that's interesting, too, is the difference between men and women in terms of what they make. Women are about $6,000, $7,000 short of guys in terms of income, overall income. If you go back one more slide, I think the women's the next one. Is the women's slide the next one? I'm going to snake some of these out next time. See, medium, we have medium women. Look at the women. The medium women, uh, their peak is somewhere around 35 to 44, 45 to 54. But notice they get up to about $45,000. And then slide over, let me show you the top guys. Uh, keep going over to the right, please. Next slide, next slide, next slide. Right there, stop. Look at this. These are the men. Notice their salaries top out at 56000 Quite a big difference. Keep going. Now, all that, and I can show you more, and I'm probably going to stop there. There's more. But nobody gets reaches 57000 Amazing. Now, that is a fascinating thing to see. Here's what I want you to do for me. Let's spin this around for a second. What do you say when you see those numbers? Talk to me. What, what comes to your mind when you see them? You agree with them? But tell me, okay, you agree with them? What else? So what else? What, what does it make you feel when you see these numbers? Disappointing? Okay. What else? Talk to me. What do you see? When you work for other people, you have a limitation. Okay. Somebody else. What do you think when you see these numbers? You got to work hard. It at it, least it gives you a way to measure. You can look at your life and say, boy, I am okay, I'm average, this is about where everybody else is, or I'm here, but I want to be, be someplace else. And so let me start plowing through some of my pre-questions, and then you can ask me some of yours. And that way, I don't spend a whole lot of time talking because I'm already 19 minutes into this. Let me press forward here, and let me show you, if I can, 
the, the three, four questions that I think you want to ask me, and then I'll, see, I'll give you my answers to them. Why are some uh, struggling, and what can the church do about it? People struggle with money, and they struggle with poverty, and they struggle with resources, and I don't think the church, first of all, is totally responsible for it, but I think there's two things the church can do. Number one, they can teach and model. Say that with me, please come on. Teach and model, which means we can give you good, balanced, mature instruction. Hopefully that's what I'm doing today. That says, let me just show you a couple of things you may not have known. And then it can give you something to pray about. Then the church should model it. The church should do its best to pay its bills. The church should keep its debt low. The church should work hard to uh, be good stewards. It should be honest, transparent, and it should learn how to teach you by example how to be good stewards of their resources. And secondly, what are the main reasons people struggle financially? I think there are three reasons, four reasons. Number, you might want to note these. Number one, say availability. Sometimes there's not, there's not anything available. If you're, if you're in certain environments, there is, um, in certain cultures, you really see this. Being born in America, being born in certain places, I think the average income in the world is 18000 a year, something like that, if, you, if you're talking about for the world. So, so you are, most of you are above the average income for the per, a person in the world. Um, those numbers are really high for the world. And if you travel enough, you'll see that. So in some places, availability is the issue. When I went to Africa, guys who were helping me uh, had never been in the hotel I was staying in. I was stunned by that. They, they, they were part of the host team, hostess team but they had never been inside the rooms. I said, well, come on in. I want you to come on in here. See where they put me at. I know you can't afford to stay here, but I want you to see it. And there's something about understanding it's not available. Pipe water is not there, like I said last week. And if you don't have pipe water, there are things that you may not have access to that someone else has access to. So availability is an issue. Number two, the management of resources is a reason why some people struggle financially. Sometimes it's not a, availability is not the issue, it's management. It's what you do with what you have. And a lot of times, families don't teach you how to manage. They, it's almost, it's funny, they, they chastise you for not managing, but they don't teach you how to manage. They don't sit you down and say, let's talk about how to do the basics of finances. Thirdly, the knowledge about resources, how it works, how money works, compound interest, savings, um, the whole issue of how you pay your bills, how you manage through crisis. There's nobody to show you how. There are ways to make money, and sometimes you just don't know how to do it, and it's right around the corner from you. Trust me, I've seen that many times. And then lastly, the issue is hunger. Uh, I think church works against, in my opinion, that's not Jesus. Church can teach you, Christians can teach you, that it's wrong to want something. And so you don't really have a hunger for it. And you are in awe of people who are hungry. Let me give you one simple example, which I think is amazing. Um, this is a common discussion I have with pastors, which is really amazing to me. I'll say, well, when you get to about 80% of your capacity in a room, you need to add another service. And here's what I typically get. All temple, ain't nobody doing all that. Now, you know what? You're trying to kill everybody. You want everybody to be tired like you. I'm not doing two services. I said, well, just think of it. No, I'm not thinking about it, temple. So then you're telling me to do no two services, then you're going to say three. Time now, which one? If the second one fills up, listen to them talk to me. If the second one fills up, you're going to come back in here and say three services like you. I'm not doing three. And I said, aren't you praying to be blessed? Yeah, but I'm not doing two services. 
And I said, well, you know, it's just, it doesn't fit my style. I said, okay, okay. You know, then sermon. I ain't doing no sermon, no season. Too much, too much reading and all that. No, they might, they reading the note while I'm talking. I can't have that. Look at me, praise God. Look at me. You know, see, so any kind of concept, any approach that's different than what they're used to, they have no desire for that. And so if you have no hunger for certain things, God, God, how can you get it? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. So I think hunger is a problem. You don't want it. Um, the hunger for wealth is often misunderstood. And I think for a lot of Christians, it's difficult. They can't climb out of their financial place because they think it's wrong. Um, they think that the love of money, 1 Timothy 6 and 10, their love of money is the root of all evil. So there's, they, they, they work against this whole hunger thing. They think you are you're going to trauma train you to become a money monger or something, you know. Um, the passion for wealth building is often misunderstood. The Bible said this, though, Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the diligent, read this with me, please, come on. The soul of the diligent shall be made fat, Proverbs 13, 4. I think God wants you to have. The advantage of having is you can do something. And so if you, if you don't have an ambition to get beyond a certain place, then you're wrong. So, for example, if you were to say, I want, I want to get beyond 57,000. Nobody, the average person doesn't get to, every, the average American never gets to $57,000 across all ethnic boundaries, white, black, doesn't matter. The average one doesn't get past 57. You may say, I want, I want to try it. I want to get to $57,001. I want one of my years in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray, God, give me some extra ideas or something. Help me invent something. I don't know. You know, I want God to bless me. That could be your dream. Now, I'm not saying it needs to be what dominates your mind, but I want you to see that it wouldn't be wrong to have that ambition. But we tell people, you know, we tell people this. Be content with such things as you have. You know, don't, don't be greedy, and, and God will bless you. But here's what the Bible says. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. So note this. The hunger for wealth is often misunderstood. The passion for wealth building is often misunderstood. And God's vision for our advancement is often misunderstood. That somehow God has this limit. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. I love the way he says it. Say it slow with me, please. Come on, say exceedingly. Abundantly, above all he can ask, you can ask a thing. God can do more for us than we've had done in this church. We're not at the end of the road yet. We're not retired. We're not finished. There's more to be done. Now, question, shouldn't we be content with what we have? Yes, if that's all you want out of life. If you're there and you're happy, fine. But no, if you want God to do more in your life. Anybody want God to do some more? Come on, raise your hand high if you said that. If you don't, put, leave your hand down, please, so we know who you are. Okay. Here's what the Bible said. <laughs> Matthew 9. Now, I'm not trying to put you down because you may be content. That's fine. Matthew 9, 29 says this, according to your faith, so be it unto you. It's about what you're willing to believe for. But you got to be clear about what you're believing for. I'm, I'm not just believing for buildings and properties. I kind of understand all that, and I've managed all that. I, I kind of get all that. I really do. I, I, I've learned that um, I, don't, I don't just want to be bigger and larger. I want to be healthy. And healthy, a healthy McDonald's is not a, a McDonald's that's the biggest McDonald's in town. A healthy McDonald's is a McDonald's that has a profit, right? And that treats its customers right and healthy staff. It's, don't, don't measure health by the size of your car or the size of your house, or the size of your church, or the size of your family. It's amazing. We never do that in family. 
We never say, well, the more kids you got, the healthier you are. Tell your neighbor, say, have some more children. Come on, say, have some more children. <laughs> see, see, no, you didn't do it. So you can't even say it. So you can't even get it out. Go adopt. Get, get some more. You need more people in your house. You need see, only churches think that way. Church is the only place where you think the more people in here, the better it is, the more God's moving. No, the hungrier we are, the more money we need, and the more under pressure we are. I'm not against growth, but I don't want growth to be the goal. I want health to be the goal. Can we say amen? All right. Think of, you, know, you know how you know that because Jesus, and I'm going to teach this the next year in our teaching series, Jesus had 12 people. That was his strategy. He could have got, you know, he had 5,000 every now and then, 4,000, but that was a big rally. He sent them home. He didn't keep them. And at the end, when he got to the upper room, there's 120. The numbers were always small because he can know people, talk to people, help people grow. Part of our strategy going forward, what's going to help us become more prosperous, is focusing on small groups, focusing on getting to know people, connecting with people, and building strong members. That's what we want. So when does my desire, last question, um, I'm sorry, uh, is it wrong for you to have luxuries while others, uh, number three, uh, suffer? A lot of people struggle with that. I heard one guy, he said, you know, you shouldn't drive a Mercedes Benz and you shouldn't do this because of poor people in the world. Well, um, first of all, I don't think that the Bible teaches that it's wrong to have luxuries. I mean, God kind of demonstrated that by walking on golden streets and sitting on, on, you know, on throne with pearls. He could have had dirt, you know, but he chose to walk on golden streets. That was his choice. When he described heaven, it's pretty glamorous. If you haven't looked up the last chapter of Revelation, you got to read it. It's a pretty fabulous place. And I think he's not against nice. He's not against order. He's not against blessing. But here's what the Bible says. This is what's important. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. You reap what you sow. If you don't sow and you don't have that, you can't fault somebody who does. The problem is if that person has it and they're, they're selfish and they don't give, there, there, there's, no, there's no giving in that. It's always receiving. One of the benefits of having resources is I can give $100 to Puerto Rico. That's a blessing. I'm honored to do that. And I, it doesn't disrupt my bills. It doesn't disrupt my gas money. That's what God wants you to have. He really wants you to give out of your abundance. Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and what? running over. God wants to bless you. There's something about being a giver. I'll talk about that more next month. The series next month is called Give Yourself a Chance. Come on, say it with me, please. Come on. Give yourself a chance. There's something about giving to yourself and to God that gives you a chance in the future in a way that nothing, nothing else can do for you. And so we'll talk about that later. Last question that I have, what does my desire for more, when does my desire for more become greed? This is a common Christian fear. That somehow, if you ever want to, you know, you want to prosper or something, that you, you're, you're wrong and you're greedy. Here's my answer. When your desire for wealth becomes harmful, lust-filled, and drowning, you've crossed over into greed. That's what 1 Timothy 6 and 9 says, paraphrase. When you cross over, when, when your goal is to get wealth and it's all about greed, it's all about lust. It's all about you. And, and, and you've crossed over into greed. I, I don't believe that um, it is wrong for a person to want things. I think it's healthy to want things. As a matter of fact, I, I think the issue for most of us is that we don't want enough. That you don't have a desire to improve your life. You don't have a desire to be healthy. You know, and if you looked at what you do, 
your life doesn't say, I have a, a desire to advance my life. You just kind of, you know, accept where you are and just coast through the world and then blame God if you ain't happy. But I believe it's my responsibility. I love the fact that when God spoke to Joshua, he was 60 years old plus, and he told him to take charge of the land. He told him to go take possession of the land. I like that. See, I know he was at least 60 because he was 40 years in the wilderness, right? And 20, he had to be 20 and older to make the cut. I'm sorry, 19 and below. And only Joshua and Caleb made the cut to go into the promised land. All the rest of the people that were 20 years and older, they died. And only Joshua and Caleb made it. So that means he had to be at least 40 plus 20. He had to be at least 60 plus. And so think about that. In Joshua, that he told him, go take possession of the land, go dream, go conquer the land, and he's 60 plus years old. When we get 60 in this culture, we want to park the car and give up on life. <laughs> it's time, it's time, to, time, time to end it now. And they start singing them rocking chair songs and, and, and like your brain don't work anymore. And you start, you know, if you start acting like you're dead, you, you look dead. You know that, right? You, you heard that, right? That was a good one. You need to say amen on that one. All right, I got some links on there. You can go ahead and, and all, the, all the graphs you saw, the links are there for you to go look up. Okay? So you can say, hey, go look it up yourself. Study it on your own. I did my best. Come on, say amen. amen. All right, your turn. Praise God. You got about, yeah, 20 minutes or so. Ask me a question. Things you want to ask me about poverty. It's got to be about poverty or prosperity. One of those two. Ask me a question. Uh, are we going to look at each other and go home? Here we go. We got a question here. We got a question there. Who else got a question for me? All right. I'm going to bring the mic to you right here. Ask your question and then pass the mic back down, please. Thank you very much. All right. What's your question? You might want to get a mic to him, please, sir. So that when you raise your hand, sir, that we can get right to you. Yes. Go right ahead. What's your question? It's on, buddy. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Why does it seem like the people that work the hardest make the less money, least amount of money? Well, I mean, it can look that way, but it's not necessarily all that way. I mean, if you read the book of, um, there's a book called, um, I've got the one on habits, the one I just, uh, Habits of Wealthy People. I'll look it up for you. Um, but um, I, don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I think, I think that, that some wealthy people, prosperous people, work hard. You're looking at one. I work hard. I don't know who else. You can pass the mic back. That's fine. Uh, I work hard. I, I, I do think there are some people that, that work hard that don't get paid enough. I agree with that. But I don't know that I agree with everybody. Because sometimes, you know, uh, you see people and um, you, um, you know, they, they, they work too hard. I mean, I, I tell you, I work. I think the people who put groceries out in the grocery store, I did that for a brief minute. Shoot, they underpaid. Them trucks is, man, <laughs> Unloading them trucks is the devil. Let me tell you right now. Carrying that dog food, that's the devil. I'm telling you right now. I just, man, I, I just, I, I just, I, oh. So I, I, I agree that some people make a lot of money, and, um, but I, I don't blame people when they do. I, I don't like, I don't like, um, I don't like income wars. I don't pick on people if they make a lot of money. But you know how the Lord delivered me from that? I worked in Beverly Hills. God helped me with that. He fixed me. <laughs> I'm not saying you're doing that, but I want to just make a point. I was, and I, I grew up in, and, you know, my mom was a single parent, man. We didn't make much money. I didn't know it. Because, see, if you don't have a lot of debts, you don't know you don't, you don't, know you don't have money. You, you know what I'm saying? If you don't owe a bunch of people, before we had credit cards and all that stuff, we, we just paid cash for everything, and, and, and we didn't have a car, so we didn't know we didn't, we didn't have a car. We rode the bus because everybody in my house, my mom, we rode the bus, so I thought that was normal. You know, we used to talk about the bus schedule. We're tired of the bus coming. 
Anybody know about that? All right. So, so you see it differently. You measure it differently. We lived in an apartment. We never lived in a big house, so we only cleaned big houses. So we thought that's where they lived. That's where we lived. So we thought two-bedroom house apartment was, oh, that's, that's just big living, you know. Uh, so um, it's when you get something that you measure differently and you start seeing it differently. And, um, and, I, and I, I don't know. I got, I'm running on this rabbit trail with your question. Bottom line is um, I think that some people work hard and they achieve success. And some people work hard and they don't get the success they deserve. That's why I think they have to take charge of their life and say, I can't accept this level of income from me and come with a dream to make more money. Rather than try to say that, it, that the people who are making the money are, are somehow unfair. Does that make sense? Because when you make it, they're going to talk about you too. Say, look, I ain't going to be in this fancy car and stuff. And, and you're going to say, no, I earned this in Jesus' name. So, Father, bless and prosper him and all the people that ain't making what they should make. Amen. All right, where we at? Number, yes, my brother. Good question, During the brother. process of filling out an application, um, I feel like your name, and I'm just asking you how you feel about it, your name sometimes as well as your social security number um, plays a part, but then there's still that box that says, um, uh, what's your ethnicity? So how do you feel even if you put other, do they maybe know your ethnicity anyhow? You can't hide that when they see it. They're going to know you, you put other on there. <laughs> so I just put down black. You know, I said, <laughs> work with what I can. <laughs> oh, he, he confused. He don't know what color he is. <laughs> if they use it against you, that's another issue. But I wouldn't be worried about that. Somebody else has a question. Poverty, prosperity. What you want to know right here? Hold on. They can bring a mic to you for a second. Who else has a question? So they can ready to come to you. Over there. Yes, go ahead. My question is, when you see on TV the kids that are hungry and they're like skeletons. Now, I wrestle with the point that I say, I have children in the United States of America that's hungry and I have to feed them first because charity begins at home. And I feel like if I go feed those other children, then I'm neglecting the children in the United States. A little bit here, a little bit there. A little bit here. I do. I, I, I do what I can. I mean, I, I have kids I feed in Africa. I have kids. Our church has a group uh, we've been feeding for years in Africa. Thank you, ma'am. You can pass the mic back. Uh, we, we, um, we've been doing it for years. Um, you know, one of our members, uh, she's here, Beatrice. I saw you. Hey, right, right. What are we doing? We still doing it, right? We still rolling? We still rolling, right? We are. Okay, come up here for a second. Give, give her a mic. Here, bring her a mic. Tell her what we're doing. Do, do a little bit, a little bit. Tell, tell them what we're doing in, tell them what we're doing in that. We have two different uh, churches that uh, we give breakfast to the children every morning. And uh, in one group, we have 150 children. In the other, we have about 200. And every Sunday morning before they have church, they get breakfast. And overcoming by faith pays for it all. Amen. Tell them what country that's in. That's from Uganda. You know what city, Tom, what, what city, what, where is it at in Uganda? It's Kampala. Kampala. Like it's near the capital city. Otherwise, those children would not have any breakfast. They would come to church hungry and they go home hungry. How long have we done this? We've done this About for... 10 years now. Mm -hmm. See? Say amen. amen. Now, she told me she was doing it, right? And I thought, Really? I said, well, we need to jump in on that. She was, she was doing it by herself. She's been a registered nurse, and she was sending money back home. And I thought, well, did, did we get them checked? Did we do something else, too? Uh, yes, uh, uh, we are 
um, every month I get a check of $300 and I send $150 to one church and $150 to another church. Did we give some chairs or something too? Did we do some, some, did we do some chairs? Yes, we did give chairs. Like they were filled out the whole church. They didn't have any chairs. They were sitting down on the mats. And when I told you, the church paid for uh, the church benches and the church was filled. Pretty good, right? So we we take we we still see we still got benches. But we just got them some too. See. That's why you want to prosper. That's good. A little bit, a little bit. Somebody else. Where we at? Right here. Yes. Oh, I would like to say that um, one thing that you can do to improve uh, your blessings or, or get wealth. Um, I came from a family of fourteen, and uh, my father and mother were always givers. And my mom lost her hearing in a storm, a tornado, before I was born. But anyway, they were givers, and also my husband's people, they were givers. And so we learned that when you're in trouble, plant a seed, give. God gives you, and he blesses you to be a blessing to others. Don't hoard that money. You know, Don't be a dead seed. No, no <laughs> one way in, no way out. You're pretty good. You now I'm going to let you preach that. <laughs> <laughs> you all right, all right. Way. You got a question for me? Is that a question? You got a question? That's a good. You, just make, you felt the spirit on that one, didn't you? I felt it. We'll take that. If, you, if there's a need, plant a seed, give. God okay. bless you to be a blessing. So be so a be blessing it. to others. I'm going to let you fly with that one. That's good. All right. That's good. Somebody else have a question from where we at? Where we at? Right here. Yes. I know you believe in giving, giving to your family and all, but when do you get to the point or when do you decide that, okay, they can do for themselves or how do you know when to cut them off? You know, I... I when, when people are being abusive, when it's obvious, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well known in my family for having a, <laughs> a very, uh, I, you know, I say something to them about, hey, hey, you know, I'll, I don't do that. If, if I think they're being abusive, I won't, I won't help. And if I think they can, I, I give loving speeches, you know, hey, you know, um, I don't mind helping sometimes. But I, I think I've, I've never, here's I have a rule, I've never made friends with money. That's been my experience. Now, I don't know how, I, I almost wouldn't say I'll put my giving up against yours any day. You know, you got to get out in the river with me now if you're going to be, you got to get in the deep water. You know, I give away, I've given away, oh, Jesus, too much to my fault. And the people around me would say that's true. He, he, he has, I'm a big giver. But I've learned that I can train people to think a way that's unhealthy for them to think. And if they are the kind of people who view me as a rich guy who can give them whatever they ask for or a resource that's like somebody that, you know, then that's not fair to me because the assumption is I always, always have issues. But I, one, one, one day I, I, somebody asked me for something. So I said, here's what I need. They told me what they needed, and I sent him back a text. I said, I need, right now I'm trying to build a new church, and it's $3 million. I need $3 million for that. And then I said, I have my house. I got a few things I need to get fixed up. So I sent back my needs. They told me what they needed, so I told them what I needed. And then they, they didn't send me no more notes, praise God. You know, I said, that's what I need. You know, tell me what you need. I mean, I don't mind helping, but the assumption that I don't have a need is amazing to me. Um, but I think you should help where you can because I, I, I believe in helping now. But when it gets to the point that it's abusive and that I'm, I'm your 911 all the time and that there's no other balance in it and you wouldn't do that for me. Somebody asked me for some money one time. And I, 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 I didn't know, I, I, I got confused. A good person you know, asked me for some money, asked me for, they said, they asked me for $144,000. This is true, they asked me for $144,000. I thought they were talking about the Bible verse. 
How many people, you know, Revelation is 144,000. So I said, oh, that's in Revelation chapter 7. I gave him the Bible verse. <laughs> and they said, no, no, I'm asking you. I said, oh, you're asking me for that? I said, wait a minute. I'm glad you think I got it. That's the first thing. Secondly, I said, that's in Revelation <laughs> You know, I, you know, I, he's a good person. I wish I, you know, I, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Good person. I couldn't do that. I mean, I, I didn't, I, you know, you know I, I see people make decisions sometimes with money, even with their kids, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, and your kids, our kids were going to college, or Ricky was going to college, and we went up to um, a school, and, and it was really nice. It was um, Boston. It was up there, um, Berkeley, and uh, School of Music. You know, Rick's a big musician, so I said, hey, you know, you want to go? So we went up there, flew up there. You know, that's the money. Got a hotel. That's money. Come on, say, that's money. You know, <laughs> stayed a day or two. So come on, say, that's money. <laughs> Had to eat. Come on, say, that's money. So we always, so you know you, you know you when you first kid in college you feel obligated no yes I'm gonna go up there I'm Ricky Temple and take my son he wants to go to Berkeley to school of music went up there they told me thirty thousand dollars a year not including how, how it was like thirty back then we were talking about back in oh my God Ricky is thirty five now so we're talking about fifteen years ago twenty years almost twenty years ago it's a long time a lot of money fifteen six seventeen years ago is that right yeah seventeen years ago man. I, and then, then one guy came up and he had a um, he was um, he was putting out a, he was a he was a bellman that's what he was at the hotel, and he told Ricky Ricky I grad he said I, he told me he said hi he said my name is I graduated from Berkeley too, and I said you carrying luggage <laughs> after spending a hundred some thousand dollars <laughs> I told Ricky come here I want you to meet somebody. <laughs> 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 you meet somebody. I want you to meet somebody. He said, okay, tell me your name. Tell me what you did. Tell me what you just told me. Okay, thank you. God bless you. I said, don't even try it. He said, I want you to understand. So we negotiated. This is what we did. We negotiated. And I said, okay, now Georgia Southern, praise God, right down the street, got a nice music program. You get your degree from there. Thank you, Jesus. Whole lot cheaper. Whole Jesus. Wonderful price. Can pay cash for that one, thank God, at the time. So I paid cash for it. And he, he, went, he went there, graduated, thank God, in four years. And then he went back and got a master's certificate from Berkeley. Praise God. Amen. Correspondence. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But he, so he got, he got the Berkeley thing, and he got, he got it all. But he didn't have to, you know, it took him about a year to get that thing from Berkeley. But he, at least he said he's a Berkeley graduate. Thank God. That's good. But, but not on the front end. You have to learn how to say no. If you can't afford stuff. And if it's going to put you in a bad place, because Christina had to go to college too, and, uh, you know, and I wanted to go back, and so everybody has to share a little bit. And sometimes I've learned that when you, you, you give beyond reason and you don't negotiate and tell the truth, you have to tell people, I, here's my boundary, here's what I can do, can't do. And sometimes it's not smart to do because I'm creating in you a mindset I don't need to create. I'm talking too long too. Did you get somebody that say amen? amen. Okay. Somebody else, somebody else have a question here. Uh, who else has one? We have maybe take one more after this? Okay, come on. Yes. Pastor, my question is that if you are recognized or someone come to you because they're having financial difficulties mm -hmm. and you recognize the reason why they're doing it and you don't help them not to return that same spot again, are you disabling them? Am I enabling them by doing yeah, that? Yes, enabling no, them. No, I, I, I really understand struggle. I mean, financial struggle, I've helped people more than once. I mean, I, I understand it. I understand money trouble. I manage a lot of money. I manage a lot of money. Let's make this dollars run. This ain't cheap. I, you know, I manage a lot of money, and, and I, I, 
I realize that you can get in the jam. Thank you. So I don't feel like, and she wants one, she has one too. I, I don't have a problem with that because I, I want to be sympathetic because I don't want to act like I don't understand. I don't talk down to people unless I'm, I don't look down unless I'm picking up people. I'm simply saying there's a, there's a line you draw when it becomes abusive. And sometimes you help people better by saying no. Yes, yes is not always the best answer. Advice sometimes is. Sometimes I give advice. I don't need to give you money. I need to tell you, you know, here's an option you can consider. And so that's my approach. Yes? Um, I wanted to ask you a question, something I've wondered about. Um, with the growing population of homelessness, we see a lot of people um, on the streets begging. And I was just wondering, what is your opinion? Is it wrong for us to give them money? Because I noticed that they, they get arrested. The police thought, so I'm thinking, are they breaking the law? And am I that helping them break the law? law? No, Panhandling is against the law. So am I helping them break the law when I give them something? Y'all better ask the police that question. I ain't going to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, uh, am I against the law? Is, am I going to jail if I give them money? No, you're not going to give me? Okay, good. The police said no. You're not going to jail for it. But, but here's, here's, what I, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Um, the bigger concern I have when I see somebody doing that is I know that there are people who have organized. It is an organizational plot behind some of that. Not everywhere, but some of that. You know, they all get signs, say the same thing. And, and then they, have, they follow them. You can look online. They, they follow some of them. They go get Mercedes and drive off, and they're doing better than you. Uh, I was in France one time, and, and, and we gave to this lady who was all, she, she, she had this, she looked like she was all made up and looked sad. And then turned around, she was a fabulous woman. You know, she like a little girl, the way she had herself all contorted. People cheat you out of your money. So, you know, you do the best you can. If you feel like giving them something, you know, I, I, I tend, um, Diane said I'm not good at that. I think you should be doing something. I didn't set out here doing that. But I understand that you can be bad off. I've helped, I've helped people who panhandled. I've given money to people who came up to me um, and were desperate. And I know I've done a good thing in some cases. Um, but um, just kind of feel your way. Be careful. Be smart. Don't be going in your purse in front of people. You know, be aware that people can, can get you. I've gotten, jacked, I've gotten jacked giving people money. When I was a kid, I got jacked up. Somebody stole. Somebody hijacked me. Uh, I was downtown L.A., and a guy asked me for some money. And uh, I went in my pocket, and they took all my change. And then they came in a line. And just took it all. One and they, yeah, you said, that's exactly what happened. Now they 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 laughed. That was a joke. Time you win your pocket and you gave one, then that's all right. I want some too. And then the next week came up, so I they, they took all my change. I said, okay, it's the Crips. What I'm gonna do? I ain't gonna get beat up over dollar fifty. Let it go. <laughs> ain't no dollar fifty beat down here today. They did. They took all my change and it was they laughed and walked off. So sometimes you go in your purse and you and you, you expose yourself. Uh, you look down, they hit you, take your car and stuff. You don't need to be, you know, hey, look, you know I, I t I'm, I'm very security conscious, and, and, and I do fights. So I tell people, hey, you know, I'm nervous. I'm always nervous. Step back, give me some space. I can't, <laughs> I don't want to get hurt. You know, uh, I do pray when I, I, Lord, I pray I don't have to fight in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I grew up in an environment where they get you, and you have to be careful. And so I help people, and I probably said too much here. Amen. Enough of that. Any more questions before I leave?
Did this help you today? Let's pray. Father, I lift up before you in Jesus' name all the things we talked about today. I believe that we should, we should be concerned about the poor, the panhandlers, those who struggle. But Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we have to be wise too. We live in a world where there are a lot of people who have other motives. And so, God, I pray that we would be wise. And when there's a moment when we need to help somebody that's poor, we'd help them. That we would not be suspicious and worried and fearful. But then when we need to be studious and, and attentive and be careful not to put ourselves in dangerous places, I pray we would do that as well. I pray, God, in Jesus' name that you would help us, Lord God, to be always kind and, and generous and always understanding and never arrogant and never caring ourselves as though we are better than anybody. We're not better than anybody. You died. You came for the hungry, the poor. You said, I was poor and you didn't care for me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. So we need to have a caring heart about the poor. We need to have a caring heart about the needy. We lift up before you in Jesus' name all the issues we talked about today. And we declare in Jesus' name that you would speak grace and healing to the hearts of people who have gathered here today. Some of them don't feel like they make enough money. They feel like they've been cheated in their salaries, and some have. Some don't make the money they need, and God, they need a miracle. So I speak blessing upon them. Lift your hands up high. I speak prosperity upon their life. I declare that those, Lord God, who have been victims of financial abuse and they have not been fairly treated, that you would prosper them and bless them. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would open up doors for them, give them vision and passion and hunger to improve their life. God, I pray for those who said, it wasn't available to me, Pastor. I did not have the knowledge, the wisdom, the exposure, that you let this be the beginning of a hunger and a search for a new life. I pray, God, they learn to manage their money. I pray they become more knowledgeable. I pray in Jesus' name that the power of the living God would break forth in their life and that their faith would rise because it is according to their faith that you can do things in their life because they put themselves in the right place. I believe, Lord God, that you are able to do abundantly above all that they can ask or think and that if they pursue you and are diligent, the Bible said their souls will be made fat. May they not be afraid, Lord God, that they are somehow wrong if they try. May this be a moment of sowing seed because they're going to reap what they sow. And so, God, I declare in their life today in Jesus' name, blessing, not greed, that they would never become people who are harmed and filled with drowning lust and greed, but they would be people who are full of love. And we declare in Jesus' name that the hand of God would be strong upon your people. And may they leave this place encouraged, not discouraged, full of faith and compassionate in their hearts. And I pray, God, that they would have the power to do good. Not the power to just feel bad, but the power to do good. Look at me for a second. It's one thing to feel bad, but it's awesome when you can do good. It's one thing when you can sit down and say, oh, that's a shame. But it's another thing when you can reach in your pocket and fix it. Come on, say amen. It's one thing to say young people are, are lost, but when you have no money to help them and you can't sponsor a youth anything because you have no resources, when you're not a seed sower and you don't plant your seed and you have nothing to give, but you ought to be praying for God, I want to get to 57 so I can give somebody seven. I want, to, I, want, I want you to prosper me so that I'm able to prosper others. And so, God, I declare in Jesus' name that this church will become a place, Lord God, where people prosper where they're not afraid, where they begin to dream and grow. And I pray that we would teach it and model it. Come on, say it with me. Come on. Teach it and model it in our life up close. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Praise God. Are you glad you came today?